This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello, um, welcome to this qualification meeting. I'm a food addict from Australia, and I'm your leader for this hour. After a moment of silence, will you please join me in a serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Wow, um, I cannot believe this is happening, and um, I feel very, very humbled and to have been asked to do a qualification, and I'm kind of hoping I won't cry, but I can't promise that. Um, yeah, just to put it in context, I live in Australia, and I so often, on a weekly basis, I listen to these MP3s, and they've been such a big part of my recovery, and... You know, whenever I get sponsees, you know, one of the things that I do, oops, I think I might cry, um, is I always encourage, oh God, I encourage them to listen to these qualifications because um, they're so filled with experience, strength and hope from this addiction and um, it's nothing short of a miracle. It really, really is nothing short of a miracle. So um, I'm pinching myself. I can't believe I'm standing here in a room with fellow food addicts who, um, who are in recovery and are such an example of what life can be like without this, without me putting food in my mouth and without this addiction. Um, so I think just to ground me, I'll, I'll give a little bit of my stats. Um, I'm five foot one and a half and, um, I, I tend to weigh about 105, 106 pounds, and my weight when I came into FA was about 175 pounds. But that's not my top weight. My top weight was about 185. I stopped weighing myself at that at that stage, and um, so I did have weight to lose um, coming in. But my story is one of really, really yo-yo dieting, under-eating, binging, overeating, um, starving, binging, you name it, Um, I did it. And I'll just start off a little bit in the beginning and I probably won't give too much of my story, but some description is, you know, I, I, you know, I was just listening to a qualification beforehand and I identified so much. And I'll just start off by saying that as well is, as you can hear, I have I actually have a few accents. <laughs> Even though I live in Australia, I was born in another country. And and one thing I'm very, very aware of today is that this addiction um, has no, geogra- no geographical boundaries. It's, it's um, as I say, I was born in a country really, really far away from here. And I had this addiction from the beginning, from the get-go. I... Um, I've heard of some people developing it later on in their life or having an awareness of it happening later on in their life. But for me, I was just one of these chubby kids and I loved food. I really, really loved food. 
But I have some memories of me when I was young, and it goes, it goes from that place of loving food to some really behaviors that are a little bit more than just enjoying food. And for example, some of the memories that come to me are, um, I remember my mom used to leave some medicines in a, in a cupboard next to her bed. And obviously it was a place that she didn't want us to go. And some of them were filled, of course, with sugar. And I remember as a little girl, when she wasn't around, going into those cupboards and looking for those, all those things she had hidden away from the kids, you know, and eating, eating them and eating the whole packet, slowly but secretly going back, you know, finishing the packets off. Um, I also remember very, very clearly as a young girl, um, there was this cupboard, which eventually my mother had to get a key and a lock for. Uh, because I would used to, I would used to go there and I'd find this stuff and it would be stuff that you would cook you would never in your right mind eat and I'd find the packets and slowly but surely I would eat those packets and everything was done secretly it was done um, when no one else was around um, it was hidden and those behaviors started at a very very young age so I was doing that sneaky secretive stuff around food um, so I must have had a an awareness that what I was doing with food wasn't okay, that I'd had to be done in secrecy. Uh, but I couldn't stop. And even from that young age, I couldn't stop. Um, and I remember thinking about food a lot. Um, I lived in a family, in a culture where food had a very big focus. There were lots of opportunities to celebrate around food. And um, I love that. I love that about my culture. In fact, my memories with family are all connected with food. Um, you know, when I think of my grandparents and my grandmothers specifically, I can tell you what foods we used to bake and eat and cook and you name it. It was all very, very food-focused. Um, I think for me, one, there are numerous parts, I think, in my journey that were real turning points. And when I was about, when I was seven years of age, I, I needed to have an operation. And it was a serious operation. And I think for me, that operation was a real, real turning point because I remember coming out of that hospital with two real awarenesses. One was I was overweight by then and overweight wasn't a good thing. And um, what happened from that was my parents took me to my first commercial weight uh, group. And of course, they did that out of concern and care, and um, I attended that for a while. So I, I, definitely, I definitely got that sense and that clarity that um, I needed to lose weight and that I needed help in order to do so. Um, and the other thing that uh, was a big difference that I walked out of that experience was feeling very, very different from the world out there. And um, a real outsider. Now, I may have experienced that beforehand, but somehow or another, that experience, and I spent months away from school, that really crystallized that sense of difference or that feeling of being different. And... Um, what happened as a result of that? I think a few things really, really kicked in. Uh, one was the striving to lose weight and to be thin in order to be accepted by other people. Um, 
And the other thing was the sense, as I say, of being a real, real outsider. And somehow the way that I connected the dots was in order to fit in and to be part of, I needed to be thin. That was my thing. And if I could be thin, then everything else would be okay. And obviously, deep inside, um, for whatever reason, I did not feel okay. I did not feel part of. And, you know, I, I won't go into details, but I will say from then onwards, so that was from the age of seven, and certainly by the age of about 10 and 11, I started off a history of dieting and then binging and dieting and binging year in, year out, year in, year out. And I remember very, very clearly I could name all of them. Every single diet I'd attended, they were, I, diet I tried, I could probably put them according to chronologically my age. Um, I remember what would happen for me, what the cycle was. It, li it literally was a cycle, is that I would discover a diet and there would be this high and this sense of hope of this was going to be the thing that was going to fix me, it was going to change me. And I would start it off and do all the research and do all the cooking and all that kind of stuff and um, get very intensely, get very, very involved with it. And, of course, I could never sustain it. And um, what would often happen is the closer I was getting to my goal weight is um, I would start thinking about what I was going to eat when I came off the so-called diet. And I guess my way of thinking was is that I would diet enough until I got thin and then I'd revert back to the old eating. It never ever occurred to me that I was going to have to change the way that I ate forever. And it wasn't only about that, it was about the fact that I didn't have the capacity. I always landed back in the food. Um, so those were really, a lot of my school years were revolved around that. I mean, I participated in a few things. I attended school, but I will say my disease became progressive at a very, very young age. My um, attendance and my studies at school deteriorated. Um, they really deteriorated. I couldn't concentrate at school, especially if I was doing an intense fast or diet. And... Um, then if I was binging, I was also very, very much um, just separated and in another completely different world. I look back and I see myself as being very, very disconnected from other students um, and just the world around me. And I would have to say, you know, one thing I've, I've really, really learned in FA is that there was a direct, and there is for me, a direct connection between the way that I eat and the way that I am and my mental health. And part of my story was... Like the eating and the starving came with a lot of depression and a lot of self-hatred. And um, that pursued me until I think I really, really found FA. Um, but just to really, I want to really move on quite a bit. I don't want to stick with that because um, there's so much more about, about the story, that I, my story, that I really, really want to share. I was fortunate enough um, to find 12-step programs when I was in my early 20s. Uh, beforehand, um, I'd been backpacking for a while, and part of my story is that I really, really wanted to escape my reality. Um, I had this fantasy that if I left my country, um, 
that my disease wouldn't follow me. And I can tell you, there's one thing I can promise and guarantee. <laughs> it follows you. It follows you in buckets. Well, it followed me in buckets and spades. And anyhow, so I started backpacking uh, when I finished school. I barely finished school. And um, I remember that as being a wonderful year. But I found I once found a diary about those years, uh, well, that year rather, and every single day I documented, I didn't document about where I was going and what I was traveling and what I was seeing. What I documented was what I'd eaten that day and um, how I felt in my body. That's what was documented on a daily basis. Anyhow, um, as I said, I was very, very fortunate in my early 20s to have found 12-step fellowships. I had a friend who, it's funny how I, along the way, found, always found an eating buddy and this other person had seen a newspaper, a line in a newspaper that literally said, are you having a problem with food? Literally, that's what it was. And um, I went to my, 12, my first 12-step fellowship, and it was really, really a relief to have found it. I'll say that much. For the first time ever, I felt that I could be very, very open uh, in terms of discussing what I'd done with food and about the feelings that I had inside of me, and it was a very, very supportive environment. And um, I felt very, very comfortable there, and I spent about 18 years there until I came into FA. And a big part of my story was and is, is that I did a lot of 12-step work, I pursued a lot of therapy, um, I pursued a lot of alternate avenues from meditation to uh, naturopathy to um, different forms of exercise, um, organic food, you name it. I did all of that all together at the same time. And still, in addition to that, my disease progressed. It actually got worse. And it just baffled me. It, it, it just um, it made no sense. I was trying harder and harder and harder. I knew that I had this problem with food. I knew it was relentless. I knew that things were getting worse. And the more I tried, the worse things became, to be really honest. And um, um, I, remember, I, remember, I remember things like, I guess for me, what I didn't quite get is that at that stage was that I had to be, put the food down in order to change. Um, but I just didn't have the tools, and I didn't know how. That was the bottom line for me. I did not know how. Um, I would be absolutely baffled, you know, absolutely baffled about how I would land up being back in the food. Um, I remember very, very clearly I used to attend therapy sessions, um, and one of my things was I used to attend the therapy session, and as I came out of the... Th and I had wonderful therapy. I'd walk out of the therapy session straight into a store, and I, I know I can tell you even now which store I would go into and what I would get. So I'd go straight out of that and eat, and that was the only way that I could manage what, what came up, I guess, in therapy. Um, I remember doing that with deep meditation as well. Um, I would do, I went and I did this one form of meditation where you, okay, where there was 15, oh no, sorry, there was one hour in the morning and an hour in the evening, and what I would do, I would come out of meditation, and my way of coming out of meditation was specifically, again, I knew which foods I was going to have to, um, I don't know, I think the word was like something like acclimatize me coming out of my meditation. And I guess 
that for me was the thing is that the food was always in the picture food was always in the picture and um yeah i just couldn't get it for me my experience of it is that i was trying so so hard and getting nowhere and um and there was still this crazy denial about my behaviors around food. I remember being so baffled, and yet I can give so many examples. Um, at one stage, for a long while, I was working really hard, really far away from where I lived. And what I would do is I would stop off on the way home for, for gas, and um, where I live, there always these specials, these food specials, um, and I would go in there and I'd see something on a special and I'd get two or two specials and I'd buy them. And on the way home, I'd be eating all the, you know, these sugarful products and always drinking a sugar-free drink. And I'd get home and there would be the wrappers on the floor of my car. I'd park the car. I would have to get the wrappers out of the car because, of course, I'd not want my husband to see them. I'd run inside my home. I would always, you know, like bow my head down and uh, run to the bathroom, rinse my mouth out, and only then, you know, say hello to him and kiss him hello, you know. There was so much shame around what I was doing, um, but there was just no way that I could stop. It was just relentless. And as I said, there was just so much denial around it as well. That was the crazy thing for me. Um, one of the things that I was very, very, and a big part of my addiction has been around the sugar-free products. Um, um, they've been a really, really big part of my addiction, and they've been very, very challenging to put, put down. And I remember once when I was in another 12-step fellowship around food, there was a lot more structure around the food, and what happened was... Um, the only way that I could manage that was I would have liters and liters of sugar-free soda every day. And here was the thing, and I've been taught so often, you know, in these rooms that self-knowledge avail us nothing. And I had a sponsor at that time who said to me, and I would tell her what I was doing with these sugar-free products, and she'd said to me, you know, they can cause osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. And there was this little voice in my head that would kind of go, you know, that won't happen to me. It won't. It won't happen to me. And I kept on having this stuff. Well, today I'm of a, I'm not of an old age. There's no osteoporosis or osteoarthritis in my family, but I have it. And it just goes to show, um, I guess the form of denial, there's something in this disease for me that just kind of thinks that I will escape the consequences. That, um, if I just have this one bag of whatever I'm eating, that tomorrow I won't put on weight. Tomorrow I won't need more. It, it was just something about it. It's almost this amnesia or this thing of, you know, that I'll, I'll be able to dodge the bullet. But no matter what, I have to have my food. Um, so I'll really jump forward. Um, I was fortunate enough to see another person in the other fellowship who kept, who had moved from that fellowship into FA. And I saw some significant changes in her. She didn't need to lose a lot of weight, but there was something very different in her. And, um, I followed her into FA and I came into FA three times before. This is my third time in FA before I stayed. And I don't know if I'll get to share that part of the story. 
but um, there was something very, very different. I saw two such powerful examples in front of the room, in front of me. One was of a woman I knew from another fellowship who'd been obese, and she was in a, she looked great. She looked fantastic. She was in a normal, thin size. Her body, she looked fantastic. But more than that, she was just glowing from the inside. She was just, there was something about her that was alive. And there was another woman who I also knew from the other fellowship. And this woman was literally mute. We'd been in fellowship for about seven years. And she had such a fear of people, she couldn't even say her name. And she stood up and she spoke. And I thought, oh my God, there is something happening here that is really miraculous. A big part of my story is that underneath all the food and underneath all of this, all of the behaviors that I've described has been just an incredible sense of fear, doubt, and insecurity. I don't know why, but I know that I've had it in buckets and spades. And um, to see a woman who had that kind of fear in front of me and see her share her name and acknowledge that she was a food addict, I just, for me, I just thought, I, I need to stick around. I want to stick around in these rooms because it wasn't only that that stage I needed the food to stop, but... I knew that something had to fundamentally change inside of me for the food to stop. And no diet, no food plan, nothing else was going to stop that but something greater than myself. So uh, what happened at that stage, and it's the stage that I came into FA, uh, I knew that I would have to have a sponsor and a person stood up and I asked her to sponsor me. It didn't matter who or what, I just kind of jumped in. And I will say that my 90 days, those first 90 days, I had lived with someone who'd gone through um, multiple relapses in their addictions. And um, my 90 days physically was not easy. It was not easy at all. I, I, you know, I, I really struggled. I got the headaches. I got everything. It was a genuine, genuine detox the beauty of that, though, the real beauty of that, there were a number of things I learned from that, was one, <laughs> I don't want to go through a day one again, but two, because I don't know if I have another one, but there were a few other things that I learned with it. One, this is a bona fide addiction. This genuinely is addiction. I, I had cramps in my muscles. I had, you name it, um, I really got to understand that this was not a joke, that flour, sugar, and quantities could and will kill me. You know, it was just... It was, it was intense, but what was absolutely amazing, I will never forget that first day where I'd written down the night before what I was going to eat with the help of a sponsor, and I ate what it was that I said I was going to eat. I was not someone who could have a breakfast of normal size and then have a lunch, it, it, it just, and have nothing in between. I had all, as I said, all this knowledge in my head, but I could not put it into practice. And I remember very, very clearly feeling just the space. You know, there was just this thing of, wow, what do I do with the space in between meals? 
And I remember at that time calling someone in program and saying to her, you know, what do I do with this time? And she said, well, where are you? And I said, I'm at work. So she said, well, work. <laughs> you know, my life was consumed about food. You know, if I had breaks at work, it was, it was about food. You know, everything was orientated around that. Um, if I had fear about doing anything at work, it was about food. If I had to interact socially with people, I used food. I mean, that's, that's what it was for me. And, you know, I'm just so, so grateful. I, I, you know, I really feel like I want to jump into this part of, of just my sharing. When I think back to that one woman, I, I came into FA, and FA is set up in a certain way, and I am so, so grateful for the way that the founding members have set up um, this program and this fellowship. But to see so many people put this program in action, um, I was completely lost. As I say, you know, I may have had a sense of, I may have had a sense of what to do, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to have three meals a day, one day at a time. And the tools of this program, the way that people have taught me how to do the tools, on a daily basis, um, how to keep my program really, really simple, how to weigh and measure my food, no matter what. I love the things that were taught to me from the beginning that still hold true today. Um, things such as, no matter what, don't eat, don't eat no matter what. Um, I count my abstinence day, and I meant to say this, uh, from the 17th of August, um, 2009, and I did not have the capacity before that to be absent for one day, not one day. And I, I come to these conventions, I travel all this way. First and foremost, that in itself is miraculous. I would have been someone who was absent. I mean, I came to this convention by myself initially, the initial part of it. And it's so ironic, the first part of the journey, there were many, many delays and the one part, the, the pilot was actually had to delay landing for about half an hour because of bad weather. And all I knew to do in that moment was to say the serenity prayer again and again and again and again and kind of really, really know that, that I can trust, I can trust this power greater than myself um, to really, really carry me here. But more than that... Um, more than that, if it wasn't for this program, not only would I not get on a plane, I wouldn't have the money to get on the plane. You know, my money was all eaten by the food, all eaten by excess. It was just gone. And this program has taught me little things and big things, how to save. Um, the miracles, the miracles that have happened in my life, I'll say this much, um, my life was filled with a lot of drama before I came into FA. And funny enough, my life has become a lot more peaceful since I've come in. Um, I live in the same little home. I live with my same husband. I have the same family. Everything might look on the outside the same, but from the inside, it's all different. Um, and I love my husband. Uh, before I wanted to run away from the life that I had, I never wanted to meet any of my responsibilities. Um, I've always, as I say, wanted to escape. I wanted someone to rescue me. I wanted a knight in shining armor to carry me away. I never, ever wanted to meet life on life's terms. And for today, you know, what I've really, really been taught is that the miracles for me are in the everyday. It's in the little things. It's in the little things that are so miraculous. I was someone who 
really thought that I'd have to go, I don't know, find a shrine in a mountain somewhere, and that would be the one thing that would really give me peace. And now I know that this program really genuinely offers me that sense of peace. Um, it offers me, I guess, an ability to really make peace with myself and with my life in general. As I said, I was someone who always felt that I was on the outer, and I'm now so grateful to be, I guess, just part of my life and part of a fellowship um, that I know can offer me growth, it can offer me serenity, it can offer me peace, and over and above all, I don't need to fall back into that addiction ever again, so thank you. After a moment of silence, will you please join me in a serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.